Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. From movies such as the Left Behind series or Thief in a Night or just about any end times movie you click on on Pure Flix, the fact is is that the pre-tribulation rapture is a topic of hot conversation, specifically probably now, maybe even more than ever, just in terms of a doctrinal stance. I know it's not the early 90s and so forth, but the fact is that the rapture is an important doctrine and what we believe about it does have an effect on how we live our daily lives, whatever that may be. If you believe there will be a rapture, depending upon where it is, or don't believe in the rapture whatsoever, this has a lot of different effects on your walk with Christ. And to discuss that with me today is the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Praise the Lord. I'm excited about getting into this topic because we have a strong conviction. Uh, we have brothers that are pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, uh, different views on the millennium, what have you. We count each other brothers and sisters in Christ, but as family members uh, at the same table, uh, we have a different understanding of what our Father said is going to happen about the future and what our Lord Jesus Christ has told us about the future. And we, because we love our brethren, we want to warn them that we were told that we are going to go through, the church is going to go through the Great Tribulation period, and we better be ready, and that we can potentially fall away. So it's a huge issue. Amen. And, you know, when we put out the question, does the rapture matter? We had people say no, and there is no rapture. So I guess before I can even talk about... We believe there's a rapture, but they're saying there's no rapture. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, comments. Yeah. So those comments are saying that. Oh, no, the rapture doesn't matter, and so forth. And it doesn't matter because there is no rapture. You know, it's something that's very common in amillennial groups and so forth. And they say that it's it doesn't even happen, let alone uh, post-millennial or, or, or these groups. But So I wanted to kind of lay a foundation about just real quickly, because we do have a lot of points to go through, because we want to talk mm-hmm. about why it matters, but it can't matter if it doesn't exist. So, Joe, yeah. does the rapture actually exist in Scripture? Well, you know, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you're going to have to... You're going to have to call Paul a liar who was inspired by God. You're going to have to call Paul a liar to say there's no rapture because Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that those who are dead in Christ will, be caught, will, be, will rise first. You know, We shall not precede that as believers that are living on the earth. We shall not pre- precede those who have fallen asleep, but the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain, that Greek word could mean survive, because uh, I believe he's talking about the, the tribulation there. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and we shall forever be with the Lord. So that's a beautiful verse that talks about how believers will be caught up. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. Um, and the Greek word there is not, you know, it's not the Latin word we get the word, you know, rapture from, but it's the word harpazo, uh, which is a beautiful Greek word. And it's sometimes it's used in a positive sense, sometimes a negative sense. Uh, Jesus said that the Father and He are greater than all, and that His sheep are the ones that hear His voice present tense, who who follow him present tense, that no one will be able to pluck them uh, out of his hands, right? Well, the word pluck there is harpazo, you see? 
But the cool thing is for the believer, we shall be plucked off the earth that we'll, we'll experience our pazo. And the word rapture is just another word used to describe what Paul's saying in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, if they're saying there's no pre-trib rapture, and what happens is Jesus comes back to the second coming, and that's where the believers are, are transformed and so forth, uh, they'd be right to say there's no pre-trib rapture. The Bible doesn't teach that. Church history didn't teach that until the 1800s. Uh, and it's a new a Johnny-come-lately doctrine, which we believe is very dangerous. So, But a lot of people, when they realize, wow, this pre-trib rapture thing's new, and they don't see pre-trib in the Scripture, then they throw the baby out the bathwater. We're looking for the Lord's return. And those, who have, those of us who are alive that endure through the tribulation period uh, are looking forward to being caught up by the Lord at His return. Uh, Jesus said He'll gather His elect from the four winds of heaven immediately after the tribulation. So He put it after the tribulation period. Uh, but there is that gathering of, of, of the chosen ones of the believers. And uh, so, you know, there's also the imagery used of a sickle, you know, gathering up the wheat uh, at the Lord's return in Revelation chapter uh, 14. Uh, there's also the talk of one being taken and one being left for judgment in Luke chapter 17. And uh, one will be taken and one will be left for judgment. Uh, just like uh, Noah was taken and those were left for the flood or Lot was taken out of Sodom and Sodom was destroyed. By the way, that, that happened on the same day. The day he was taken out, destruction happened not seven years earlier uh the day noah uh you know uh, floated away was the same time god was uh you know destroying the wicked so uh there's definitely a rapture in the scripture the, I, the question here isn't whether there's a rapture or not uh, though it's important to deal with that and we love our brothers and sisters how you know even though they may disagree with each other and us uh, we this is a very important topic because we do believe the time of the rapture is important we believe it's an in-house debate we have, uh, like I said, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ who truly are trusting Jesus and following him. But we do believe that there is a great deception taking place and that people are not going to be prepared to persevere with the words that Jesus addressed. I mean, a lot of the, you know, we just did a, stu a study on dispensationalism. And a lot of dispensationalists will use terminology like, well, the book of Revelation, it really isn't for us. That's like reading somebody else's mail. Reading somebody else's mail. Uh, the address is to the church. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent signified it by his angel and his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, all things that he saw. And then he says, Blessed he that reads and hears and keeps the words of his prophecy. John, unto the seven churches which are in Asia. I'm reading mail that's addressed to us. And you see the bride right there in the thick of the tribulation period in Revelation chapter 19, before the Lord comes back to his second coming, has finally been prepared and made ready in verses 5 through 7. So the church is mentioned in the book of Revelation, and her rewards, it says, are white garments, white robes, which it says are the righteousness of the saints. So the bride is, is uh, synonymous with the saints, and in Revelation we see the saints over and over again are persecuted by the Antichrist. And the saints have the testimony of Jesus, Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 14, the, the saints... Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Revelation chapter 14, there at the end. And the saints also, who are mentioned there, uh, suffer at the hands of the Antichrist, but they are described in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 14, as a group of people from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue, when cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Who does that describe? That describes the church. Don't tell me the church isn't in the book of Revelation. That nobody ever thought that until the 1800s, and you have to impose your view upon the text. Uh, which is called asegesis, not exegesis. We, we, we take out from the text what it says. And we're going through the tribulation now. We're not really on that topic. We're really on the topic, but those are preliminary remarks that are important. Yeah. So it sets the stage to really understand why is it important, though, if you believe 
is it dangerous to believe in a pre-trib rapture? Yeah, I think that, that'll be a perfect segue because the reason why we're doing this topic is we had a, a lovely sister in Christ who ended up writing into us because a lot of times you had already stated exactly what she said. Hey, you guys talk about this being a great deception. And so she asked this question, quote, Hi, guys. First, wanted to start with God bless you and thank you for the work you do. I praise God for you and how he's using your ministry to touch the lives of many and warn the flock of wickedness. I tend to wholeheartedly agree with you on just about every subject. Your biblical knowledge is inspiring. That said, I tend to lean pre-trib, but I consider myself pan-trib. However it pans out, Jesus will come back for his church when he wants. I've heard very compelling arguments on both sides, including Pastor Joe's debate. I'm, cur- I'm curious why you consider pre-trib point of view a great deception or being led astray, as this is clearly not a salvation issue, and there are many Christians who hold this view. According to the word, either way, we should long for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Timothy 4, and watch and be ready. Thanks, guys. So I, I would say that this is a, a great way of asking the question. Thank you so much, sister, who wrote in and, and asked this, you know, honestly, because I think that's a really good distinction as well, because we do see, as you've already mentioned multiple times already, and plenty of our, our brothers and sisters in Christ who disagree with us on the subject, there are our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we also want to talk about how serious it is, and this goes with, and, and maybe we'll put the link in the description afterwards, this goes right alongside of our flammable flammable and damnable heresies that we had talked about on that another a show. Difference between the two. That there is a, a big a big contrast there, but there are things that we want to recognize. Why do you say it's a deception and so forth? So I guess starting with that, Joe, with that as the backdrop of this show, this is somebody who is a sister in Christ who says she holds a lot of the same convictions. She's just like, hey, I think, I, I believe pre-trib, but I think it's going to pan out either way, even if you guys are right or so. But why do you think it's such a big deception? And why do you believe people will be led astray by this subject? Yeah, and when Chad's talking about the differences between what we call a flammable and a damnable heresy or a small h heresy versus a capital or, high, low, you know, lowcase heresy versus a, you know, capital H heresy is that we believe damnable heresies are heresies that if you just believe them, you're damned. If you deny that Jesus Christ is God, if you deny that you're saved by grace through faith, if you, you know, deny uh, the essentials of the gospel. However, we also believe that there's other heresies that are smaller uh, that are not, they don't damn you by believing them, but they can lead you astray to where you can become damned because of the direction that you go in. For instance, if someone believes that they will automatically persevere in the faith, once they're saved, they're always saved and they're going to persevere, they'd never fall away and so forth, and that they're secure no matter what they do, uh, that's not necessarily a damnable heresy because they may be trusting Jesus, living for him, following him, putting their head on their pillow at night, trusting in him for their salvation, his shed blood, and so forth. However, the same person, because they believe that teaching, the small age heresy, that could lead them into a life of believing that, hey, if I fall away, I'll come back. If I'm one of the chosen ones, that's five-point Calvinism. You'll always come back. Or the uh, preservation of the apostate, that's those who are like one-point Calvinists who believe they could just fall away and stay in rebellion to God, uh, and they'll still be saved. And that's Paul says, be not deceived, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither fornicators, adulterers, and on and on will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's a deception. So someone could believe that deception, but still wholeheartedly love, love Jesus and then just need to make sure they read the scripture and hopefully they just inherit their theology from hearing the pastor teach that lie. But that same person could easily say, wow, I'm saved no matter what I do. I can go visit prostitutes now. You know, I can rip people off. I can be a drunkard and, 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 and you know, just become homosexual and everything's going to be fine with me, my soul. And no, now that's become a, what's become flammable has ignited and now it's become damnable. So our concern is that the little h heresies can become bigger in someone's life 
when they are taken to the nth degree and uh at times so uh, that's kind of how we deal with the pre-trib rapture our you know there's brothers and sisters that are, are pre-trib that love Jesus and they share the gospel and they're just awesome, wonderful, beautiful believers. We have a lot of them in our audience. It sounds like this sister is one of them, you know? You know, she's not full-blown pre-trib. She leans that way, but she appreciates the word. She loves our ministry. You know, she loves truth. Uh, but mainly she loves Jesus. And, and she says she's longing for his return. And that's the main thing. And she's right that we need to make sure we're longing for his return. So I, and I loved how she closed that. But I want to encourage you, sister, and all of our brothers and sisters, uh, I've got 15 different concerns that I have written down before me that I've assembled through the years. And this isn't the only the, the only 15 I have. These are 15 that kind of made this list for this show. And it shows me by, if you multiply 15 times four, that's an hour. So I can't even spend four minutes on each one because we've already <laughs> taken probably nine, 10 minutes or, or so. 20. Or 20. <laughs> <laughs> so that means we have uh, uh, one and a half minutes then each answer. And Lord help us to, to, to you know, I'll try to do some in less time than that. So these are 15 concerns, and we could spend a show on many of these just one at a time, but we'll get through it pretty quick. So the first one, Chad, I would say, is that pre-trib leaves believers ill-equipped to understand the times. Because if you don't, if you believe that we're simply looking forward to a pre-trib rapture right now, and you don't believe that the scriptures that are written to warn us about the tribulation period pertain to the church, even though they were addressed to the church, even though Jesus addressed the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24 and 25, Mark 13, Luke chapter 21, uh, and, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 1 John chapter 2 and the book of Revelation are all addressed to the churches about the coming tribulation period. But really, it's not, it doesn't anything to do with us. You're not going to heed the warnings that Jesus gave us in regard to enduring that time. You're not going to understand the times properly because you're going to think it's not for this dispensation. All right? So i got a great scripture I love, 1 Corinthians 12, 32. Uh, it talks about from Issachar, there were 200 leaders and all the relatives and their command they understood the times. Now, I love this. They understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So if you don't think there's anything to do during the tribulation period because you're not there, you're not going to understand the times. And there's specific scriptures, which we'll talk about later, related to other reasons that we need to understand the times that we are living in, what the Bible talks about in regard to the future, if we're going to understand what to do and persevere at that time so we don't fall away. But if you think these warnings aren't for the church, you're not going to arm yourself. And Paul said to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And that's not even one. That's just one coming to mind that's not in my 15. Because we're supposed to put on the full armor of God so we can stand in the evil day. But number two is pre-trib leaves us open to the enemy's shock and awe. Okay? The tribulation period is uh, a time of there's going to be amazing shock and awe upon the church because she's not prepared for what's coming. And a shock and awe is a, that was one of the military campaigns that we did in the Persian Gulf. Uh, and it worked. Well, Satan uses shock and awe. And he wants the church to be shocked that God would allow us to go through such a thing when we shouldn't be shocked because Jesus warned us, they told us about these things ahead of time so we wouldn't be in shock and and, and just, you know, our, our ears ringing like what the world's going on. In fact, uh, we're called to be prepared for this time. So listen to this. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 20, and then chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, and then verse 33. Remember the word that I said to you, Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. I've said all these things so that it will keep you from falling away. So Jesus warns that there's this persecution coming up. And he says, I'm telling you that about this coming persecution so you don't fall away. In other words, if he didn't tell us about the coming persecution, we would be more apt to fall away. Well, uh, guess what? That's exactly what's going to happen according to Jesus Matthew chapter 24. He said, the hour is coming. And it going, now I'm reading back in John 15 again and, and 16. The hour is coming that whoever kills you will think he's offering 
service to God. And certainly people that will kill Christians during the tribulation period will think they're serving God because it says the Antichrist will display himself as being God in the temple of God. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Jesus went on to say, But I have said these things to you so that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. That's important. He wants us to remember this. This is exactly what Jesus said would happen. So we don't fall away, right? And he says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So when Jesus talks about the coming persecutions, he's saying, you want to have peace. And he wants us to have peace. He doesn't want us to freak out. He wants us to know what he said ahead of time. So what happens, we won't freak out. Well, if you're pre-trib, you're like, well, the great tribulation period, you know, yeah, we're going to have some tribulation in the world, but not the great tribulation period. That God wouldn't let us go through that, or I don't believe that the Bible teaches that and so forth. Well, guess what Jesus said is going to happen? The people that are not ready at that time and have not taken heed to his warnings regarding the great tribulation period will fall away. Exactly the opposite of what he wanted when he said, I'm telling you these things ahead of time, so you won't fall away. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, 21 and 25, we read, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, says Jesus. Talking about going through tribulation. He says this to Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Who's James? Who's John? Who's Peter? These are the apostles of the early church. He's warning them with plural pronouns. You, 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 you. Plural pronouns. Telling them that they're going to face these things. They're going to face the tribulation. They're going to face the Antichrist. We're supposed to say, well, he didn't really mean them. He meant, you know, long after the rapture of the church, that, you know, they'd be long gone, by the way. And as for the unbelieving Jews and so forth. Mm -mm. In fact, Jesus says that then they will deliver you, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, if they were to live that, through that time, right? Or up to that time. It's a tribulation to put you to death. And you will be hated by all the nations because of my name's sake. Then listen to this. Then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, never will be. Behold, Jesus says, I have told you in advance. Catch that? He's saying it again. He's saying, I'm telling you this in advance. Why? So we don't fall away. So if we don't heed his warnings, and we don't think that they're to us, when it does happen, we think we're supposed to be taken out early, it happens. Well, who is it that's going to fall away? I think it's interesting that the great falling away that Jesus talks about ensues, takes place at the commencement of the tribulation period. Right when it takes place, man, and we're hated by all the nations and delivered up to be killed. At that time, Jesus said, there'll be a great fall away. Why? Wait, Jesus, you warned so we wouldn't fall away. Guess what? He did. He did a great job. But the ministers in the pulpits are not giving those warnings to their congregations, and they're not getting it. Or they're reading their Bible with pre-tribal lenses on through Darby, and they're saying, oh, this isn't for us. And guess what, man? It breaks my heart, man, because Jesus is the good shepherd, right? And he wants you to hear his voice and heed everything that he's taught us. Amen? So it's important because uh, in Matthew 24, 6, it says, Jesus says, And you hear of wars and rumors of wars? See to it that you are not alarmed. Okay? Through eto, through eto, being alarmed, freaked out. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. Pre-trips think that's the end. Now we're going to be with Jesus right at the beginning. Jesus says, no, man, that's just the beginning. These are birth pains. It's going to get rougher. Don't be alarmed. Don't freak out. Our pre-trip brethren are going to be freaking out. No, That's amen. A concern. And these these are these are real and concerns. Falling away, many of them. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, I think uh, one of the biggest things is that God says that people are going to be deceived on this issue as well. So when God warns about something being deceived That's on this right. very issue, we need to be really careful of that. And I'm sure we will get into that. All right. So Joe, we've dealt with ill-equipping for understanding the times, and we've dealt with shock and awe. What what's another one? Well, the other concern, another huge concern, is that. Uh, the church at Thessalonica got things backwards and Paul had to correct it. And they thought they'd missed the day of the Lord. They thought they'd missed the Lord's return. Paul says concern, concerning Christ's coming, 
is coming, and are being gathered together to him, i.e. the harpazo, or the rapture. He says, you know, let no one deceive you by any means, either by spirit or letter, as from us, or, you know, prophecy or word. Uh, he says three things. That day he will not come, he says, until two things happen first. What day won't come? He says, concerning Christ's coming, are being gathered together to him. Very clear. Concerning the rapture. That day, the rapture, okay, will not come until two things happen first. And he talks about the uh, the, the, the falling away, apostasia there, and the man of sin sitting in the temple of God showed himself that he has got the Antichrist. The apostasy, and, or the falling away, apostasy, and the Antichrist, those things will happen first. But he says to them, and I think this is very, very important that we, we understand that, we get this, is, guess what? The very thing that Jesus said not to let happen, to be alarmed, throw eo, uh, Paul says, let no one disturb you, right? And he uses this word seismos, uh, which is what word we get seismic or earthquake, the seismic earthquakes, talking about being shaken. Don't be shaken in your mind. And guess what? Because they were not following Jesus' order of events, they were thinking, oh, the rapture, oh no, we missed the coming of the Lord, you know? And many of them were quitting their jobs and so forth, and they were shaken up. And uh, that's another concern that's huge in, in the Word of God that we need to have because uh, <laughs> if we are not ready and, and we think that we've missed the rapture, that's going to lend itself to falling away because we've missed the rapture. Yeah, I think that's beyond important for us to understand is to see all these warnings, to recognize them, and to see why this is a deception. This is why it took 1,800 years to get this deception in the church. That's pretty yeah. wild to think about. 1,800 years before this deception even made its way into the church. And now this is, at least in America, not in other places, but typically in America, this is why it's so common here. And But I think it's getting less and less common. It's a westernized form of, of Christianity, you know. Uh, and, and you're exactly right. And, and you make a great point, Chad. It took 1,800 years to get it there. I mean, you had that church of Thessalonica got reversed, and Paul's correcting that. Because when Christ comes, going to be gathered. It's not going to happen. Don't be deceived by these three means, including a pneuma, a demon spirit, until uh, the Antichrist and the apostasy happen first. So those are those are huge concerns because they. I put that one after the other one because Jesus went about being thrown. Oh, the alarmed, being alarmed. And here we we see why we need to pay attention to what Jesus said because Paul saying, "No, these things are happening first. Don't freak out." So some of them were, can you imagine, you thought you missed the rapture? You'd be freaking out. You missed the Lord's return, you know? You'd be freaking out. And uh, we're going to get, there's other ones that lend themselves to that. that I don't say too much on it. And when we look at some, the rest of these 15 concerns. No, I think it, I think it's it's really important. So Joe, what, what is the next concern that you have written down there? Uh, my next concern is related to the last one, is the Hymenaean heresy, okay? Uh, when I say Hymenaean heresy, I'm speaking of a heresy that was taught by Hymenaeus, Humaneos. Uh, is how you say his name in Greek. Uh, but we call him Hymenaeus typically. And that heresy is that he taught that the resurrection had already come to pass. And by teaching that the resurrection had come to pass, he was overthrowing the faith of believers. And it was a, it, and Paul calls it a cancer that was in the church. So they thought they had missed the resurrection of, of the just, right? So Paul states in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, uh, so we call this the Hymenaean heresy. Uh, their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They have say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Now, this applies very directly to uh, full preterists. Preterists are, uh, they don't believe in futurism. Uh, Pre-mid and post-trib, we all believe in the future coming tribulation period. 
Uh, preterists believe that the tribulation has already taken place. It took place in the first century. Many of them say Nero was the Antichrist and so forth. That's a very, very, very dangerous heresy. Uh, but full preterism that teaches that that all happened, including that the resurrection already took place. That's full preterism. That's, that's, called, that's a heresy with a capital H. That's a damnable heresy because if you're denying the resurrection, you're denying one of the essentials of the gospel. Uh, and Paul says they say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. So destroying people's faith by saying, oh, there's no future resurrection. I've seen preterism destroy the faith of people. Chad has as well. Where they're strong in Christ, they, they buy a hook, line, and sinker, they're not following the Lord anymore. That leads them into, they lose their hope. So it's interesting, preterism, typically full preterism, this verse applies to, well, you're saying, well, how does it apply to pre-tribulationism? Huh. Well, if you come under the idea that you've missed the rapture, you find yourself in the tribulation period, and you're like, uh, which many probably will, because if they were like that in Second Thessalonians 2, feeling they missed the coming of the Lord, yeah. and people felt they missed the resurrection, in those days, how much more is that going to happen when you're taught a pre-trib rapture and you find yourself in the tribulation period, the great tribulation period? Many people are going to think, I missed the rapture, I missed the, I missed the resurrection. And the idea that the resurrection has come to pass will come into effect not just with preterists now, but with not all, and I'm not saying all pre-tribers are going to fall into all these same things, but these are definite concerns, otherwise they wouldn't be warned about in the scripture. So this is another very strong concern we have is when the tribulation commences uh, and people find themselves in it, that many will believe that they simply missed the rapture and they're doomed. Yeah, I think this is important for us to understand. I think it's going to go with the next concern that I think you're going to be going into uh, right now because this is so important for people to understand why we would bring up these concerns because, I mean, we were just talking about this before in pre-production. The fact is when we look at a ton of different, you know, of these deconstruction movements, a lot of times there's an area of scripture, whether it's a biblical sexual ethic or whether it's the age of the earth or so forth, where they're convinced of a point in some other regard. And so they throw the baby out with the bathwater and they throw away the entire scriptures because they found someone who appealed to their flesh, I think a lot of times, in a better way or appealed to some intellectual you know, stimuli that they had in some better way. And now they throw out the rest of scripture. So I would love to bring that up as a caveat into your next concern yeah uh it's like we talk about co uh co and then text text that go together that confirm uh, a certain doctrine and so forth multiple witnesses uh, it's interesting bad doctrine begets other bad doctrine you have co-heresy sometimes right one heresy could lead to another one false teaching leads to another uh so uh number five pre-tribs expecting a premature coming sets the church up for deception uh so what happens is you find yourself in the tribulation period you're like, what am I doing here? I can't be here. My eschatology. Then some will say my eschatology is wrong. I didn't miss the rapture. It's all messed up. What's my eschatology supposed to be? And there's all kinds of deceptions going about. And Jesus understood that there would be a lot of believers that were going to be alarmed. And he warned about watching out for false Christs and false prophets. And he warned about spiritual deception over and over again in the Olivet Discourse. Four or five times he warned about a spiritual deception being the greatest concern at that time. Not even persecution. That's going to be a great concern. But spiritual deception, and it's interesting because when Jesus talked about his coming and the anticipation of the church for his coming, he knew the church would get off kilter, okay? And he warned that people are going to be freaking out because he's not going to come when they thought he was going to come. And then as a result of that, he's concerned that they'll buy into other teachings that are false, even more false, and they'll give into, and who knows, maybe it's the false signs and wonders movement. Oh, this must be the Messiah because look at this 
This prophet's bringing fire down from heaven. It's the Antichrist, right? Or uh, they believe in preterism. Oh, yeah, the end already happened. They'll just, they'll flock to false prophets. The, the charismania, you know, there'll be unity through signs and wonders. That'll be part of the lie. Uh, false, you know, an ecumenical movement that'll lead people straight. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 17. The time is coming, he said. Uh, he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. You're like, hey, Jesus, come and not see it. It's not going to happen the way you're hoping. People will say, there he is, or, or, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be, when he comes, he says, it'll be like lightning that flashes uh, and lights up the, uh, the sky, right? Uh, like lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. In other words, it's not going to be secret coming. Pre-tribs are waiting for a secret coming. He's saying, it's not going to happen like you're thinking to think. He's going to say, when I come back, it's going to be obvious, like lightning shining from the east to the west. He says it was in the same days in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day that Lot left, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like that. It'll be just like this on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. In other words, same day Jesus comes back, and he's telling his apostles this. When you see me coming, it's going to be so obvious. But at first, he says, guess what? It's going to happen to the church. You're going to think I'm coming in a way and a time I'm not. But no. And, you're gonna, and then he said at that time, watch out when they say, oh, he's here in the wilderness or he's there. So pre-tribs, by not getting the return that they're expecting, are going to be opening themselves up to false returns. And I think that's a, a huge, huge, huge concern that we have. And that's why I believe Jesus laid it out that way. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.